Healing your relationship with food energizes you to step into your most joyful life. Whether you're attracting an abundance of clients or playing with your baby on the floor, we believe that healing your relationship with food is the foundation on which you build your most joyful life. If food is taking up your time and mental space, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Joyful Podcast. Welcome to the Joyful Podcast. On this episode, I am joined by special guest, Marissa. Marissa is a professional dancer and personal trainer from London, UK, who works in a body-neutral fitness space and helps people find joyful movement. And that is exactly what we talk about in today's episode, relationship with exercise, joyful movement. So if you've been curious to explore your relationship or improve your relationship with exercise, this episode is for you. Now, at the time of this recording, Marissa's business and Instagram account was called the Self-Love Fitness Club. Since the time of that recording, Marissa has updated the name of her business and her Instagram handle to be the Body Joy Method and her Instagram handle at Body Joy with Maz. And I will link both of those for you in the show notes so you can take a look. Please welcome Marissa to the Joyful Podcast. Thank you so much, Marissa, for joining us today on the Joyful Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited too. I'm so excited to hear about, because this is the first time that we're meeting, so I'm excited to hear more actually myself about your story and your journey and and how you got to where you are. So with that, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Marissa. I am currently based in London, UK. Um, I'm a professional dancer and actor and then like personal trainer and fitness instructor so I kind of came to that a bit later but off the back of my like dancing experience um, I'm the founder of the self-love fitness club which is a revolutionary fitness mind and movement method I like to get that in because it's about you know Ooh, the yes. holistic love that um, and it's a method to help people build confidence joy and sustainable well-being in a safe space an inclusive space that's very much away from diet culture mm-hmm. yeah amazing how important <laughs> and I love that you take um I've looked at like your your page and your workouts and stuff and I love that you take like the dance angle of fitness because I think that's a really unique and really like under underappreciated and underdeveloped like area of fitness that's like not really available to people who aren't you know lifelong dancers or professional dancers or something yeah no definitely that was really important to me and I think it's quite funny because um at the start of my fitness career I mean I started through like dance fitness but then when I qualified as like a personal trainer I kind of distanced myself from the dance stuff because it felt like it wasn't valid in the fitness space you know like there's this kind of notion that fitness has to be all about lifting weights and going to the gym and doing these kind of yeah like set routines um and it's been in the last like probably the last year that I've kind of gradually incorporated it more and more into my method and um when I launched the last program I just went all in and like came back to it completely as like centered dance like as the method 
shattered and the feedback has been really incredible because it's just giving people like this new kind of space to find like liberation in their bodies especially people that haven't necessarily really danced before or people that maybe used to like dance when they were younger and you know like lose that into adulthood so yeah it's actually like I'm really glad that I kind of embraced it again and yeah it's definitely here to stay (laughs) yeah that's amazing I love that so much and that's the thing I think like it's like oh it's acceptable when you're a kid to dance but like suddenly if you're not like you know Beyonce's backup dancer or something it's not okay like as an adult to be to be dancing for some reason and I love that you're kind of going back to your roots and also welcoming other people in like you know hey even if you haven't danced before or even if you danced as a kid like you know it's a great way to move um move in your body and express yourself and like it can be you know in a like following style but I've also done some really awesome dance classes where it's a very like free in terms of like there's no like moves to follow and you just kind of like move with the music and like it's Mm. so healing as well like you can really move like feelings and and energy and emotions in your body as well so i think it's like a really undervalued like form of movement and like you said in the mainstream kind of fitness and health industry it's very much like well it doesn't count if it's not in a gym and if it's not an hour and if it's not sweaty and like all this kind of stuff yeah yeah for sure and like when you were saying that i just thought like obviously dance as well is very much kind of in our like ancestral history right as humans like it's a really cultural um and like social practice and it is it always like was a method for expression and for like culture and healing coming together so there there obviously is something to it you know that I really do think that we should all be yeah like utilizing yeah yeah like how can you not like put on a song and dance and not smile right like it's just a byproduct yeah like it's a natural extension like we all love like music and listening to music and it is just like a natural extension of like enjoying that so yeah amazing so cool I love that so can you tell me a little bit more about the story of you know how you ended up working in the body neutral fitness space because it sounds like I'd love to hear more about your background as well too like as a dancer and as a personal trainer and how you kind of ended up back or back I guess you kind of already talked about how you ended up back into dance but how you know having that diet culture free body neutral fitness space like how you landed there yeah so um I so once I graduated so I went to drama like dance school do musical theater once I graduated there, I basically just needed a side hustle to like keep me going whilst I was auditioning. Um, so I got into fitness then and I started off in like the kind of boutique fitness scene in London. So like the sort of like independent studios, teaching dance and bar as well. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of bar, but that's like mm-hmm. my other style that I love. Um, and then gradually like got more into that, then qualified as a personal trainer. and kind of did the rounds of all the boutique studios and just got to a point where I realized like it wasn't it wasn't feeling aligned like there was Mm -hmm. one specific studio that I always talk about because it was a really like pivotal moment but they were very just very entrenched in kind of diet culture in the sort of like you know that elitist fitness environment Mm -hmm. um 
very much encouraging like disordered practices they were encouraging people to go to like multiple classes a day it was all about the aesthetic Mm. and I just felt like I, I didn't fit in and I actually got told consistently while I was there that I was too nice and I was too soft and I needed to be harsher on people and that was always the yeah that was always the feedback I got and I just like I just got to a point where I was like this is fucking my soul like this isn't why I came into fitness like because like I said I've movement for me was always an expression of emotion and like a celebration of my body because I come from a dance background so that's what I wanted to pass on to people but being in that fitness space like kind of felt like I was having to let that go so eventually I plucked up the courage to quit that job which was the single most liberating thing I've ever done would recommend anyone to quit that like obviously if you can but like it was a scary leap but it was so liberating and then yeah I kind of went out on my own and tried to carve out this space but I knew I wanted it to be about like empowerment and about joyful exercise but I hadn't yet realized that there was all already like a movement that actually you know was already doing that so I think it was right at the start of lockdown I came across one body neutral trainer I think it was Sally Wright who I first came across so if you know Sally Wright she's a British like fitness influencer and um I came across her stuff and I was like oh wow this space already exists that actually feels like very aligned to what I already have been trying to kind of do so I felt really validated and then I just kind of like gradually delved in deeper learned so much more and I mean I'm still learning especially in terms of like inclusivity and like making fitness accessible because even though I'm in this space I still exist in a very like privileged body Mm -hmm. so like having to learn to really learn about you know how diet culture actively harms people in larger bodies and how to make fitness more accessible more inclusive like that was like the biggest learning curve and um yeah I'm just really grateful that I found it and yeah the self-love fitness club like the actual name I think was born about two years ago it just kind of popped into my head one day and I was like oh my god this is exactly what I'm trying to do and yeah it just kind of stuck so we're still on the journey I love the name of your business self-love fitness club I think it's so thank you fitting and so perfect yeah and it's and it's interesting what you said about you know working in the kind of mainstream and maybe more like upscale I guess maybe you would call it like boutique fitness industry of like you know that it's so much about like aesthetics and not really about health and that that really didn't resonate with you and that's amazing that you know you had the the courage to leave and to start your own thing because that can be like you said it can be really scary but also really liberating and what you said too about you know it's it's an ongoing journey for myself as well right like working in this um body neutral food freedom intuitive eating space like it it truly is a, a privilege to work Um, in the space and also recognize that you know there's a lot of people that this is much more challenging for and that you Mm. know there's other obstacles and stuff so you're absolutely right it's like it is a learning journey and I too am still learning and and I think that's the whole point right is to admit that you know we're here we want to offer the safe space and obviously we're here to learn along with everyone else so thank you for for pointing that out and for sharing that 
And I'm curious too, with your dance background, like I know I've heard from other people like in the dance, you know, with growing up with dance and, and, you know, having to gone to school for dance and stuff, like, was that something that you noticed in your dance education, like diet culture and disordered eating? Yeah, it, it's just like to look back on it now, being in the space I'm in now and to like acknowledge the amount of harm that was done is crazy. And yeah, I mean, I think, again, this is another space where I've really like acknowledged my privilege because I was always in a kind of in a body that sort of fitted in the dance well I mean I'm very short which never like was on my side like but that wasn't something that I I was told I could change obviously but in terms of like body type and like thinness and leanness like I was always kind of yeah like my body was celebrated and therefore my worth was very attached to it Mm -hmm. but there were so many other like I had so many friends and we did these same exercises. We went to the gym, we did the same amount of classes, we did everything the same and their bodies were always different. And I would always get like praised for my body. And it was always so jarring because I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything differently to anyone. I'm not working harder. I'm not, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. yeah, there was so much of it at dance school. And that's definitely another huge reason why I've like, I'm so passionate about creating this, space because there was a lot of harm done and yeah like I said I definitely came off lightly from it although I was I definitely like picked up you know some like disordered habits there are people affected so harmfully from dance training um I think it can be one of the worst worlds for me I know a lot of like professional like um athletes and stuff are hugely affected by it but I know yeah the dance world for sure is has a lot of work to do in terms of acknowledging the just the problematic messages that we were told and to do with like how much we could eat and how much exercise we should be doing like yeah it was it was not good yeah yeah <clears throat> and I know it's definitely not exclusive to the dance world like you said like yeah. you know a lot of, of sports and um a lot of sports and activities kind of experience that especially aesthetic ones like dance where like you're literally like you're you're on display, right? And um, yeah, it's interesting too what you said about this notion that like, oh, we can all eat the same exercise, the same, like show up to the same dance classes, you know, work out all together and our bodies will look different. And that's that's exactly the point, right? But this idea that diet culture in our society places the value and the worth and the acknowledgement and the praise on the thin people that like, oh, well, you must be doing something right, but it's like, but, and, and to receive that is kind of uncomfortable, like you said, but it's like, but I'm not. And then also on the other hand, for the people that don't fit into that norm, and then they're like, well, maybe there's something wrong with me, right? And that's how, even from an early age, it doesn't, you don't have to have gone to dance school to have received that kind of same message. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, this idea that people that don't conform to this like thin ideal or to the kind of body or beauty standards that there's, that there's something wrong or that they're lazy or that they're doing something wrong or all these kinds of things. And that's how, you know, we internalize it. Like, Oh, there's something wrong with me when it's not the case. It's just that our bodies are different and our world and society has got this kind of strange hierarchy to bodies. Yeah. 
for sure. I think sometimes for the listeners too, like we don't always like reflect on our, you know, childhood experiences and experiences of diet culture. But then when we start like kind of peeling back the layers, we're like, oh, 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 like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I don't know if you've experienced this as well, but once you like start to open your eyes to it, you just find it everywhere. And it's just like, it gets quite overwhelming because you're like, this is what we're up against like the messaging is so insidious it's been conditioned into us from such an early age and it's still everywhere you turn everywhere you turn and you're absolutely right like once you see it you can't unsee it and you yeah. see it everywhere and it's yeah. it's like you like you can't turn a blind eye to it anymore that it's just like you said like it's so insidious yeah yeah you're absolutely right <laughs> And then I'm curious, like, how did you go from this environment? Uh, like you kind of mentioned a little bit, but I'm curious maybe more about the journey and, you know, the internal shifts in yourself from going into the, from this like very diet culture focused, you know, training and schooling to working in anti-diet, like weight neutral space. Like what was the thing that you had to believe about yourself or maybe believe about like, bodies or fitness or health or things like that in order to kind of like shift that perspective from like oh it's all up to the individual like you just have to work out harder and try harder and eat less and move more and all this kind of stuff to actually like oh no like movement is supposed to be you know joyful and it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to fit your life and it can be for anybody and it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you like you can do it you know I'm just curious like what was that kind of trans transition like I think the first element was probably like untying my own words from like my parents because yeah like I said my body was always the one thing that was like really kind of highly celebrated when I was a dancer so I I just kind of I think it was that realization at the same time when I left that job at the fitness studio that I kind of realized that I'd been placing myself worth like outside of myself like mm. both in terms of my body and also just in general like with kind of like I was using like validation from others to like you know build myself worth and I think that was like probably the first shift into more sort of body neutrality and just like understanding that our worth is inherent and it's not like it shouldn't be connected to the way that our bodies look um and then I think it was about like zooming out and like understanding it on a wider scale and like le really learning that body diversity exists and like learning from people in different bodies and learning that whole yeah like you said that whole narrative of like we can all eat and exercise the same but we're still gonna look completely different um and just like hearing the lived experiences of other people and I mean again because I I'd come from that like I've always been in a smaller body I haven't gone through like dieting and like trying to lose weight and all of that to know that it it really doesn't work but to then learn from other people and to hear people's experiences of like you know actively engaging in exercise in the same way that I had but not end up looking like me like that's a big you know a big realization to have and then a shift in like okay well if I'm gonna now deliver fitness 
I need to like be acknowledging other people's experiences and not just teaching it based on my experience you know mm-hmm. and I think that's what like so many trainers just fall into that trap and genuinely like I think we have to believe that many people don't know that they're causing the harm they're causing because I think a lot of trainers end up with in positions of like having big accounts and big followings for fitness because they already look a certain way Mm -hmm. and because they have that body they think everyone that's achievable and safe for everyone because it was achievable for them and they just don't necessarily ever look beyond you know like pull back the curtain and learn from all these people that haven't had that same experience because those stories are never told like fitness marketing is all about the success and I use that term you know quote unquote the success stories of people that do end up in those bodies from engaging in fitness but they never ever tell the stories of all the people that engage in those behaviors and still don't end up in those bodies and so yeah I think the biggest like learning curve for me was just understanding that and learning from the people that have had a different experience Hmm. yeah thanks for sharing that because <clears throat> I think that highlights like this idea exactly like you said that you know it's very easy to use like your body as a business card or like mm-hmm. that you know oh because I'm thin like you should be able to be thin too and it's it's not like that at all like you mm-hmm. said you know there's a lot of people who have tried their whole lives to change their body and aren't able to not because there's something wrong with them but because they're not meant to be in a smaller body and and bodies are meant to be you know diverse just like height and foot size and like all these kinds of things that we don't try to change I think as well like what popped into my head when I was saying that about like how a lot of trainers because that was their lived experience and it was like safe and healthy for them they share it but what's really come through and I think this is like the most interesting thing in the past few years is that like so many trainers from maybe like an influencer's from like the big fitness era of like you know like 2017 the the real fitspo era have come out later and said that actually when they were sharing all these tips for like six packs or whatever they were actually really really suffering with disordered eating with eating disorders with like really poor mental health but they weren't sharing that because obviously they were like gaining traction and success from looking the way they did on Instagram. Yeah, that was exactly it. That this idea, first of all, that those trainers themselves, they're they're also surrounded by this diet culture soup, like I said, that we live in. And so they might not even know that what they're seeing is harmful because it is the mainstream message. So they might just think like, I've just figured it out and everyone else hasn't yet. And that's just not true. And second of all, like you said, that a lot of these people and i can testify to this because i was not on this spectrum of having a giant following or anything like this but you know being in my own depths of disordered eating and being a dietitian at the same time and not realizing that the way that i 
first of all, not even realizing that I had a problem and realizing that I was experiencing disordered eating. And second of all, like having this bias towards, you know, people and saying like, well, you know, you just need to eat healthier or like, oh, you just need to eat more fruits and vegetables. And then, you know, having to go on my own journey and realize that like, oh, shoot, all the things that I've learned in my dietetics training and in my, you know, just life in general have been wrong. And that that's a really hard pill to swallow and really hard to admit as well too. And to, to, to see that. And, and like you said, and I'm, I'm not sure which, you know, influencers or fitness professionals you're talking about, but there was one influencer that I remember following circa like 2015 to 2017 area, maybe a little earlier even. And I like worshipped her like she wasn't like a fitness person, but she was very much like, oh, matcha with ashwagandha and like, oh, yoga and dry brushing and eucalyptus in the shower. And I loved her. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I like loosely based my Instagram account off of her at first because I was like, I want to be like this. Right. But little did I know I was also in my own (laughs) disordered eating. And I was and I ended up having to like unfollow her at some point when I was going through my own kind of journey of healing. And I just very recently, like uh, two weeks ago, like I was like, I wonder what she's up to now. And literally on her page, she was like talking about how she quit influencing because she had to like check herself into like an eating disorder clinic and like all this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, how she was really in this really toxic mentality and all this kind of stuff. And so it's just like a full circle moment of like the people that we kind of put on these pedestals aren't even actually healthy perhaps. And yet we like, you know, in awe of them and, you know, the same could be said for athletes as well too. Right. Sometimes, or dancers that like, you know, oh, they're the epitome of health or the epitome of, you know, beauty or art or things like that. But like, they might not actually be healthy in, in the environment that they're in. So thank you for, for bringing that to our attention, because I think that's a really important point that just because somebody looks healthy, again, we can't judge and I use health there in (laughs) air quotes, but like, we can't judge people's health just by looking at them. We can't judge people's fitness just by looking at them. Just because you have abs doesn't mean, you know, that you're healthy. Just because you have abs doesn't mean that, you know, you are the epitome of health and fitness, right? Health can look so different on everybody and it doesn't have, it doesn't just have one look. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the headline, right? That's like what everyone needs to understand, but that's just the biggest lie that we're told. Like we are so, like, if, if you said to anyone like what do you think a healthy body looks like like we all have a such such a clear image in our heads of what we've been taught that health looks like but it yeah it's that's just one of like the biggest lies in society that we've all just like been taken for like hook line and sinker like we've all fallen for and it's worrying like how much energy is put into like upkeeping that and how like even so many health professionals are still pushing that you know like it's mm-hmm. that's I think the scariest thing and that's like I just think yeah the headline that we have to like get out there and <laughs> push into the world yeah yeah absolutely it's it's definitely 
you know, I thought it was getting better there for a minute. And now it's just like, you know, with all these kind of new things yeah. with like, you know, medications and Weight Watchers and like, I can't even keep up anymore. Like, it's just, I know it's so, it's so disheartening that it's like, I hope trending in a positive direction and I hope we still are, but that's why, you know, I wanted to have these kinds of conversations for the people that are, you know, feeling like there's something wrong with them and feeling like, you know, they can't figure it out that there's nothing wrong with you and that, you know, we've just all got it wrong that this picture mm -hmm. of health is not a picture of health. It's just this ideal that's been, you know, cut, like mm -hmm. ingrained in our society. And it's not even just like, you know, body size, like that's a big one. It's also, you know, like you can like tie this all up with a bow with like racism and ageism and like, you know, um, disabilities and this kind of thing that like bodies that are different, that people that are different, that, you know, people that aren't quote unquote productive in our society or something like that are not valuable. And that's not true. Right. Like, but this is the idea that that kind of all goes along with this. It's really, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah I think that's it. Like, isn't it? Like once you start undoing one thing, like you realize that everything is intertwined and usually the driving force is like money and power and you realize that it's like all of these ideals are literally just made up to keep it to keep us conforming and to keep buying into things and to keep certain people in positions of power and privilege it's a crazy world oh my yeah. goodness <laughs> it, runs it runs really deep it runs so deep yeah Okay, let's switch mm -hmm. <laughs> switch directions a little bit. So going back to, you know, joyful movement and weight inclusive, weight neutral exercise and movement, just to you, I guess, like why does joyful movement matter to you? I think um, just like, again, it's like the second you reclaim like the joy of moving and you dissect it from diet culture and aesthetics like you're just able to reap like so many more benefits of it like there is endless studies to tell us that exercise and moving our bodies is like incredibly beneficial to our mental well-being to our physical well-being and like so many like systems of our body like benefit from like regular exercise but the thing is that we've or like the fitness industry has twisted it and packaged it up into this quite you know like grueling punishing like negative package and therefore like it just deters people like it just it doesn't really make sense that we package it like that because why why would people want to do that consistently when you know we make it sound so hard and so unenjoyable and I just think by like flipping it and turning it into a joyful experience like it just means that we're able to actually access all the amazing benefits of it and like more people are able to access it and and it's just like really liberating to be able to reclaim it as something that's like on your terms you know what I mean mm -hmm. and like let go of all those arbitrary rules that it has to be for a certain length of time or it has to be a certain intensity or a certain type of movement and it has to be done in a gym like once you let that go and you 
kind of realize that you get to set the narrative and like do whatever works for you like it's just yeah you get to reap the benefits of it because yeah kind of like we said about dancing but like even in broader terms like moving our bodies is something that we're literally built to do like our body's purpose is to enable movement so why would we package it into something that's like a chore or you know Mm -hmm. a duty when actually like it's 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 a privilege like Mm -hmm. being able to move is a privilege and it's like a miracle that our bodies can do all these things so I think by celebrating that and using movement yeah as a celebration for that it's just so much more beneficial yeah yeah I love what you said that it's like the purpose of our body right like we're not I don't know, trees, like we're meant to move, like we're not stuck in one place. (laughs) So it absolutely is, you know, it has evolved for a reason. And like you said, it has evolved to like culturally to celebrate to, um, you know, connect us with others to be social, right? Like that this idea that movement doesn't have to be to change our body or to punish ourselves or for just the purpose of you know air quotes here burning off our food like that movement is meant to be fun it's meant to be enjoyable and you're absolutely right like that is going to be the thing that makes you keep coming back and this is the thing like i hear from clients often is like oh well if i didn't like feel guilty or like have to punish myself like i would never go to the gym and it's like well guilt is actually a really awful motivator. Like that is not a fun emotion to have. And of course, you're not going to keep wanting to go back to the gym. And of course, you're going to quote here, fall off the wagon, right? And this is the thing about, you know, finding joyful movement. It's that we're doing it because we want to do it. And when we have those experiences and we actually enjoy those experiences, we're going to be like, yeah, I want to do that again, right? Not because I have to, not because I'm trying to, you know, have some ulterior motive, but because I just enjoy it. And it was really fun. It made me feel good. Like it improved my mood. It, you know, cleared my mind. It like really got me connected with my body. It made me feel stronger, right? Like all of these kinds of things that have nothing to do with, what our body looks like yeah yeah for sure and I think like you said earlier about like dancing as well like when you're a child and I always think this analogy works as well like when you look at like dogs and how excited they are to like go for a walk like when you're a child movement is some you don't think about like moving you do it intuitively and instinctively you run around you play you you know do these active thing or I know like this is the thing as well isn't it it's that like as our society moves on in terms of like technology and like our how our jobs have changed over the centuries like that's why we're not moving as much and that's why we do actively have to like force it into our lives because it's no longer like a natural part of our lives but I think we have to try and hold on to it being like a natural and an intuitive like part of the human experience because it really it really is and that's again like we should be still associating it with it being for pleasure and for like social reasons like it doesn't have to be like a structured session to count you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and I love too what you said that like 
it, it can also be a social aspect, right? Like we don't have to go to the gym, headphones plugged in, ignoring everybody. Like sometimes, like sometimes people like that because they're like, this is me time. This is just what I like, you know, this is the only time that I have for myself. I can disconnect. I can, you know, enjoy my music and move my body. Amazing. But for some other people, it's like, it's a walk with a friend that is so much more enjoyable. It's, you know, going to a yoga class with a friend, it's dancing, it's like whatever, like having this kind of sense of community as a way, like as part of, you know, your movement practice that makes you come back for more as well. Like you said, also like <clears throat> that it doesn't have to be confined within a gym or to a certain time or things like that. Like, I think that also reduces the barrier to entry that it's like, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be, you know, vacuuming in your living room. It can be dancing with your kids it can be walking your dog like things that you're probably already doing that you might not have considered to count mm. but like if you enjoy it and it's something that like fits into your life like of course of course it quote unquote counts <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and the, again like there are people that work like really active jobs and that are like on mm. their feet all day but then because they then don't can't find the time or the energy to go and spend an hour in the gym they think they're being like lazy or they think they're not doing any exercise but it's like no but you know like it still counts just because it's not official like exercise like you know you're still, yeah you're still moving yeah, yeah absolutely totally yeah I think that's something that people forget about that it's like you know the things that we're like doing anyways might be mm movement right and they might might be exercise so but that doesn't necessarily make them joyful like <laughs> but, no. but but I yes think, yeah I think that's the thing with the term joyful movement as well like it can be for some people like it might it might not work like you know straight especially not straight away like if you have had like a negative experience around exercise and like a negative relationship joyful movement might not be like accessible straight away but just mm -hmm. moving first into like neutral territory and like reclaiming movement that you just you're just doing you know that is not out of punishment or hate like that might be kind of the first stepping stone you know it doesn't have to necessarily be like singing and dancing even though like you know that's absolutely what I love to do but like it doesn't yeah it doesn't have to be this kind of really high energy peppy like thing if that doesn't feel accessible right now yeah thank you for clarifying that that it you know especially when we're coming from perhaps you know a a more transactional relationship with food and exercise mm -hmm. that it might not feel like ah oh, joyful movement this is so fun right away and that's mm -hmm. it. exactly like you said that's okay but first of all like you know recognizing that that is a possibility it's it's not that far away and you will get there eventually hopefully um but I think that's that's a really great perspective as well that it's not going to be like from I hate exercise to I love exercise or I yeah. love movement <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and can you tell me a little bit more about maybe what has been most helpful for you or for your clients in terms of going on this journey from, you know, I hate exercise, I hate my body to I, you know, enjoy joyful movement and I'm doing this not to change my body, but because I love and respect my body. So yeah, maybe some, some 
tips or something helpful that has helped you move there or clients that you know? I think um, number one is like having having a community or really having like a support network or system that like bolsters these new beliefs because like we were saying diet culture suits like that toxic messaging is absolutely everywhere and it's really 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 deep rooted so to like start and doing that takes a lot and it also like you need that validation coming from elsewhere that like you can do this you can make those shifts like those beliefs will change that your body is okay and it's worthy and it's good like I think you do need other people to be telling you that as well and if you're say you're you know you go to work and in the staff room everyone is speaking about their diet and like their weight loss journey you know it's going to be really really difficult to unsubscribe from that unless you have that other like space and network to help just you know keep you on that track so I think that's like the number one thing that I would say is to just like like really really um curate your social media and like try and find friends that maybe do share that same belief system so that you can all like join communities you know like we hold space for that that will help to just reinforce this new narrative and belief system on a daily basis so that you're constantly seeing that messaging as well because yeah otherwise it's just it's really tough to change it yeah yeah you're absolutely right that it's not something that's going to change overnight and it's going to be a message that you're going to have to hear repeated over and over until it becomes something that you believe is actually true because like Mm -hmm. exactly you said all the inputs that you're getting right now are you know on the same channel you're listening to the same radio station right and so adding in a different you know frequency a different channel a different radio station you know you might not like understand it right away but like once you the more you kind of tune into that and be like oh yeah actually I don't have to subscribe to this anymore and and like you said having other people on that same kind of journey to be like encouraging you and to also reinforce this message and and having you know like you said a safe space you know perhaps a coach or support or something like that as well can be really helpful because it's really really hard to change your beliefs and your thoughts on your own but when you have you know that feedback and that safe space and that encouragement from others and that community and connection it just becomes so much so much more manageable and that it is again recognizing that it takes time and it's not going to be like an overnight flip of a switch from like i hate exercise to i love joyful movement that it's going to take time mm-hmm. and it's going to be a process and showing yourself kindness and compassion along that way yeah definitely that's what i was going to add yeah like just allowing the that journey to evolve and consistently showing yourself compassion and i think remembering that that it is like an external voice that like these the diet culture belief like it's not it's not you it's something you've learned and i think the minute you recognize it as something that you've learned you can recognize that it's something that you can always also unlearn and you can replace with new things but yeah just acknowledging that it takes time and like consistent practice of like rewiring and and challenging those beliefs like internally 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one that, you know, these thoughts and beliefs aren't yours. Like you didn't, you didn't start hating your body the minute you were born, right? Like it's something that has evolved over time because of all the messages that we've received directly and indirectly, right? Like it doesn't mean that they were directed at you. It could be, you know, other people around you that you saw always dieting or, you know, exercising to change their body or things on our media or ads or movies or things like that, like where it really shapes the way that we see ourselves. And once you recognize that it's like, whoa, like this is, this is like not my idea. Right. And it's kind of like that once you see, you can't unsee it kind of thing that like, once you open your eyes, it's like, oh my gosh, it's everywhere. And it's truly not me. Right. Because you can see how ingrained it is in in our culture. Yeah, for sure. And I don't, I've just, thought this as well and I don't know if this is a similar experience for you but I've definitely seen in my clients as well that like I think cultivating mindfulness in general is like the first stage because I think that first yeah like really learning that our thoughts aren't true and that we are not our thoughts and that you know we can change our thoughts and shape our thoughts and that our mind is malleable like all of those like general beliefs and practices have really really fed into like my ability to change my relationship with exercise and my body and I know that's the same for like a lot of clients as well that like that that general idea of mindfulness um is really really key absolutely yeah you're so right that and it's it's like bringing conscious awareness to whatever it is that you're doing. And this is where, you know, intuitive eating kind of like comes in as well, right? Because it's, it's recognizing our thoughts that they aren't ours and that we are not our thoughts. We are the observer of the thoughts and that bringing awareness, like you said, to all that we do, right? The messages around us, to the food in front of us, to the way that we move our body, all these kinds of things like cultivating that awareness is exactly what 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 starts this and and is part of this journey the whole entire time and it's not something that and i think some people are like oh well i'm just like i just i don't do mindfulness like this like i can't focus like i can't meditate and it's it's not like that at all right <laughs> it's this it's like it's a skill it's a practice and it's something that it's not like you get it one day and then you never have to think about it again. It's something you have to keep coming back to and keep um, reminding yourself to bring your awareness to things and to your present moment and to your whatever is going on around you because we live a lot of our lives in our head thinking about, you know, past and future and, you know, second guessing ourselves and all this kind of stuff. And once we step out of that and realize like, whoa, that's not me, right? Like that's just the the background noise that like it it opens up so much more possibility. Like you said, that that change is possible. That you can, you know, change your thoughts and in turn t- change your reality. Quite frankly, yeah, completely. Yeah, it's really it's really powerful, definitely. And I think that's yeah, like you say, that's the key that the mind the mindful work has to be ongoing throughout the journey like and I think that's what I try and incorporate into my classes because I I think like finding movement you enjoy and stuff is obviously a really important 
important part of it but I think it has to go alongside the mindset work as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah I'd written on my notes everything is made up I love that <laughs> Which I think is like just the yeah just everything that what we've just been saying about how these rules of like what our bodies should look like or what fitness should look like and you know all of those these constructs and that we've like put ourselves in or been put in are just that they're just constructs and like we have the ability to to break free of them and to set our own narratives and mm-hmm. yeah the second we can do that we can really start to just access so much more of life mm-hmm. oh so good everything is made mm-hmm. up <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. true <laughs> You can apply that to a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's, like we said earlier, like, like it all it all ties in. Like it really does. And I think this this journey has been really powerful, and it's really impacted like every area of my life. Like it's absolutely not just about fitness and eating. You know, it really it opens that door to kind of reclaiming your whole life from these societal constructs that kind of keep us, you know a certain way and yeah enable us to access so much more just like inner peace and joy and well-being and happiness and yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right and that's the that's the whole idea I think that like sometimes we don't even realize how much this stuff weighs on us until we are on that other side and then you realize like how much more freedom and peace that you have in all areas of your life. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. If the journey is worth it, and I think that's the thing, like it it can feel really overwhelming to start with, but it's so worth taking on and, it, and it's never ending, like there is no destination because once you kind of open your mind like this, there's just always more learning and evolving to be done and that's actually really exciting, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. That it is really exciting and that mm-hmm. there is so much we don't know and there's so much more to learn and grow and it's kind of just the beginning of the I, I think and this is why I have this whole joyful podcast is that, you know, healing your relationship with food and your body is that thing that can be the catalyst or the start of the momentum of moving into your most joyful life and and really expanding from there can you tell our listeners where they can find you and maybe a bit about your work and your programs yeah absolutely so you can find me i spend most of my time on instagram at the self love fitness club um i'm trying to do tiktok as well if you if tiktok is your chosen um platform and then yeah so in terms of working with us and taking part in the self love fitness classes and the method Currently, it's an online plan. So um, we run an online kind of membership um, called Total Body Empowerment. And it's three classes a week. Um, They're pre-recorded classes. So they're dropped weekly in the membership for you to do intuitively in your own time. So the whole point is that you're not kind of confined to a live workout timetable. It's, you know, really helping you build 
an intuitive fitness practice into your life. So there's three different class types. Um, the first is called energy, which is our dance cardio class. The second is called power, which is our bar strength class. If you haven't done bar before, it's a low impact form of strength training, um, quite similar to Pilates with a little bit more of like a dance inspired background, um, all body weight and really like you get a good burn in the muscles in muscles you've never felt before you'll feel worse <laughs> um but it's really like body friendly and you know really accessible and then our third class is called glow which is our mobility flow class which I love and I honestly feel like if there was one form of movement we should be doing it's it's like our glow class because it's just pure like nourishment for the body mm. work mobility and strength coordination balance and it and like really mindful practice as well because it's nice and slow and really encourages you to connect with your body so yeah the plan is those three classes um dropped weekly and yeah all online with a like community as well so, so we cheer each other on and if you are london uk based um i don't know how many listeners will be but I'm planning, don't know when this podcast will drop, so I don't know if it will happen yet, but I'm planning to start doing in real life classes and make the self-love fitness club an in real life kind of thing Ooh. in the next few months. Yeah, so I'm just kind of working out the details for that, but that's definitely the next phase. Um, so yeah, so we have our online community and hopefully an in real life community too. So exciting. I love that your membership includes that kind of variety of classes that it is, you know, the, the cardio, the heart rate, the dance, the strength and, you know, building muscle. And then also like the mindfulness, the, you know, balance, the stability, like all such important things. And I think I'm sure the way that you teach them is super fun and exciting. I've just seen like, you know, your little previews on Instagram and they look super fun. Um, so I encourage our listeners to to check it out and see if it might be a good fit for you or reach out to Marissa and see if it would be a good fit for you. Yeah, please do. I love a, I love a message in the DM. I'll probably send you a voice note back. So just <laughs> even if you, you know, just have questions in terms of like how to start accessing movement from this more body neutral like perspective, then I'm always up for a chat amazing ah oh, so exciting mm -hmm. thank you so much marissa for joining us today and sharing your energy your experience your expertise it's been a pleasure talking to you and i hope we can chat again soon or maybe you can come back on the podcast another time yeah, always thank you so much for having me I hope that this episode was encouraging to you. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or someone who you think might enjoy it. If you really enjoyed the podcast episode, you can leave a five-star rating so that this podcast can reach more people who need to hear this message. Thank you so much for being here and we'll see you on the next episode.